Welcome back to Beat Seeker. I'm your host, Matt McButter. In each episode, we explore the shifting world of music with world-renowned experts and artists to take you deep, deep inside the fascinating and changing world of music technology and music discovery. And I'm your host, Mike Weider, reminding you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating if you like the episode. You can visit our website at beatseeker.fm where you'll find plenty of rabbit holes with extra content to dive into, guest backgrounds, and even a playlist with music recommendations from each of our guest episodes. Also, Beatseeker swag. You can stay current and talk to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BeatseekerPod. And don't forget to check out our show sponsor, Boombox Music League. Compete with your friends and create killer playlists with the Boombox Music League app. Learn more at boomboxsoftware.com. In this episode, we speak to Kelly Lee Evans, an award-winning jazz vocalist. Kelly Lee has published six albums and has toured extensively around the world, opening for artists such as George Benson, Tony Bennett, Maceo Parker, Derek Trucks, and Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. We sit down with Kelly Lee to talk about her career as an artist and how it's been impacted by technology changes. From streaming to social media, Kelly walks us through how her career and ability to make a living from music has been changed by the disruptions in the music technology market. Kelly Lee, welcome to Beat Seeker. Thanks so much, Matt. Hey, Mike. (laughs) So Kelly Lee, Beat Seeker explores how technology is changing music. And we've spoken with a lot of people at music tech companies. We want to gain the perspective of artists. We want to hear how new technologies have changed things for you, for better or for worse, in terms of connecting with fans, finding new audiences, and how the economics are changing with these new technologies. But before we get into that, can you provide a little background on your history in the business? Sure. I mean, I can provide a a background on my history that'll kind of tie into some of the tech aspect as well. I was a second runner-up in uh, the Thelonious Monk Institute. At the time, it was called the Thelonious Monk Institute. Now it's the Herbie Hancock Institute of Jazz. That was a competition that was held worldwide to find new new instrumentalists instrumentalists or vocalists, depending on like who they were looking for that year. So the my year obviously was vocals. At that time, the CD was king. You know, we were we were like still being we still were able to sell CDs. Mm-hmm. Things like Kaza were out, and um, gosh, what was that other one? Uh, Napster. Oh yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I remember we had like those types of things. You know, back when I came out, you could still sell an album for twenty bucks, mm-hmm. and there were still record stores. <laughs> there is still an HMV, yeah. And would that be at at the time when you were first, I guess, starting out? The album sales were your focus, as far oh as oh my god, economics? yeah, albums album sales were definitely the focus. And um, but I mean, like things were starting to move. Like you could tell things were starting to move. Like back then, you could still buy CDs, and CDs were something. And 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 I still remember when you could. Like I fell in love with jazz and um, I wanted to learn more and more about jazz. And as obviously things started to progress pretty quickly um, with music being available on the internet and, you know, we graphical user interface came in and you could like sort of search in that way and you could start to steal music. You know, you, you would just go and you would download people. People would like put albums up. So you'd find like all these obscure Ella Fitzgerald albums and and all of these different people who were out there and you could find their music. And I had this like 
insatiable hunger for more and more music from different artists. And then I remember the day when something happened where I was like, wait a second, these folks aren't making any money. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be part of that energy of not paying. So I had to, but then it became like, buy, I was, I became a, a not, not a taker, a buyer. Mm -hmm. And you know what I and mean? And so see buying physical media, Bu that, buying time? physical media, yeah. you know, or renting, getting it from the library, borrowing it from the library and listening that way. But I still remember that having that shift in my, in my heart of not wanting to take, take media anymore because like I want to be able to make media as well and be paid for that media. As things then progressed from you yeah. know, physical media to digital downloads and then into streaming. Yeah. You know, the, the album as a format started to dwindle away a little bit. What are yeah. your thoughts on that? I mean, it, would it, it you know, I, they have not dwindled for me. Like, I don't know if it's that my, my base, I'm, la I'm laughing because in front of me, I have like two CDs that I have to sign. Oof, I can't even hold it properly. Like I have to sign because people still buy, look at this a plastic CD. Somebody bought that. Mm -hmm. Two people bought that. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and want those signed. Like they, they really haven't dwindled. Um, I can still sell a poop load of CDs at a concert, but I have to, you have to change the way you think about it, you know? I can sell that CD. I cannot play that CD. I have nothing in my house that will work to play that CD. Yeah. So, but, and, <laughs> and, and so there, it's more about now that the tangible object, maybe for they your want, listeners. They right? want they, that. Oh, yeah. I can't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not selling this blank. This has to be signed. Right. Yeah. So it's just like they, it's a, it's an experience. So people buy it like at the end of a concert. So you know, they still want something that they can hold that has like a dedication on it to them. It's a memory. It's a memory piece. Mm -hmm. I still sell it for the exact same price. I could sell. I could have sold it like, you know, uh, in like when I came out, it's still 20 bucks. Uh, maybe I should be increasing the price. I don't know. <laughs> but um, for the signed copy for sure. For the signed copy. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You've made me think about that. But yeah, I know people still buy CDs, but it's harder for me to get them. Like my label doesn't want to make them anymore. Like the company that made them here in Canada is closed. Like, so that's, that CD is made by Universal. Universal now buys their product out in, from America. Mm -hmm. So it, like the company that actually makes a CD is like out of business, oh, you know? Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, like the, everything about it like for me to make money from that cd like i have to cart them mm -hmm. with me wherever i go people love vinyl but vinyl is so heavy to to bring with you and so expensive if it breaks you know yeah. so it's funny like yes like people are streaming yes people are are downloading like bits of information but i make more money probably from the sale of a cd than i would from like you know, all, all the streams yeah. combined don't add up to as much as you're selling these CDs at your live concerts. Yeah. Well, you asked for economics. So for me, for me, Kelly Lee, um, with the actual CDs that I still own, that I still own the masters for, mm -hmm. um, that they pay for my Netflix, like the streams of them on all of the sites pay for my Netflix monthly. And that's on all of, not just Spotify, but on all of the streaming services combined. 
Yeah. I mean, like, that's that's like maybe three three albums that I did myself, like my, my early albums that I did myself. So, yeah. Wow. And and so did things is, is that a change? Like, is that is that a sort of law of diminishing returns over the over the years? Yeah. Yeah. I think like I think for me. Like I probably put more, I put less effort into trying to sell CDs as much as like I can sell them, you know, like it's a lot to bring them with me. It can be a lot to buy them. Sometimes I can't even buy them from the, like I'll have people asking for them. I wish you bought CDs, but I can't even buy them from the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. So I'll go out on tour, have tried to buy the physical CDs. The label tells me they don't have any in stock and can't get any in. And so I'm going out with no product, you know? So it's a lot of times it has nothing to do with the fact, like the fan base, the fan base, my fan base will still buy product. But I find that my my money needs to come in other ways. Like I just kind of focus more on the show itself or Mm -hmm. um, I've pivoted to speaking, you know? Right, interesting. Yeah, so I would never blame any of my decrease in in like the the decrease in income on the industry per se like it's like your ability to pivot right so i mean if you just look at mcdonald's right i mean if mcdonald's was still selling like the basic hamburger and the basic cheeseburger and the basic small fries you know from that we see like when we look at their vintage you know menus or things like that like Mm -hmm. I don't think they'd be successful, but they're constantly looking at the market and upgrading their their offering and changing it on a seasonal basis. And I would say that like that's not necessarily something that I've done as a as an artist, you know, like I'm not constantly putting up sales or you know, bringing in new merchandise or even like updating a store, you know, mm-hmm. like there's things that I could do, you know, like having Christmas specials and things like there's a certain ch- choice that I've made as a human to kind of put a certain level of effort in on the economic standpoint. I remember back in the day when we first started, you could assume that you were doing well if you sold 10% of the house when you if you sold a product to 10% of the ha- of your of your, uh, your audience, like when you were performing. So, you know, that was a good thing. And in most cases I was selling 20% in the initial phases, you know? Um, I'm not sure if it's like that was a demographic or what, but that my fans tend to like to buy a CD for themselves and one for a friend, you know, and they wanted to share or, and because I took the time to come down and say hello. Like it was, it just became like easier for people to get something. You know what I mean? And so it was easy. I don't know what it was about that. And I would say like, again, I don't know if it's because I buy, I bring less product or people are buying less. Like I don't have that sales aspect to my shows anymore, but mostly for me, it be, it was when around the time when I couldn't get the product from the label, I think because they started to think like, well, we're not selling so much. So I make so much. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it it sounds like your fans. This it's not just about listening to the CD. That's what I thought you were going to originally, yeah. which was jazz. Maybe people like the fidelity of of it versus online. But you're saying it's it's mainly about the collectible. And 
I don't know if you've been reading anything in the, you know, about this hype, I guess, in the last couple of months about uh, digital sales of, of digital goods, NFTs, and yeah. the people selling this painting for $69 million. You probably read a little bit about that. But yeah. now it's spread to the music community and there's artists really? getting... Oh, yeah, yeah. How? Tell me. Tell me, Mike. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there's a couple of things. I mean, I think one is that, you know, you could sell uh, a digital collectible of a song and someone has your one-off digital one that Kelly signed digitally. Uh, but the other, the, other, uh, the other mechanic that's being used right now is something called social tokens or a social coin where your fan base would buy, let's say, Kelly Lee coins. And in exchange for that, they get access to you in ways that other people would not. Like, for example, a discussion forum that you host or uh, other content that you're going to make available. And so this, this kind of concept of using digital currency to either monetize you know, a song or an album or monetize access to you know, other materials is something that's at the very, very early stages, but is potentially a promising way for artists to make money. That sounds good. It kind of sounds a little bit like, um, you know, patron and Patreon, I should say. And like that idea of like paying for access on a monthly basis, um, which they kind of like have created already. And like, you, you know how people would get money through GoFundMe and, and exactly you know yeah. yeah like yeah it sort of sounds a little bit like that but it's a, it's a little bit about uh, like that but maybe the one slight difference is is that instead of say paying you on Patreon one time or even on a monthly subscription to Kelly Lee in this case they're investing in let's say the Kelly Lee digital coin or token and they're sort of betting a little bit on your career as well and the value and currency of artists are being sort of digitized. And, and so you have sort of a, an ongoing maybe investment and connection to that artist, you know, in, in the future versus something where I'm just putting money in a tip jar. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, when you said that, I thought to myself, like, just like how investments work, right? Like how and how you as a person feel when in the beginning when like your investment level is like your value is high you know what I mean and then like how you feel if you go to HMV like remember HMV <laughs> for anybody yeah. listening who's like what is this HMV she keeps mentioning at Tower Records you know when you go and you're in the in the bin and it's like your your stuff's being sold for two dollars right and so it's like you go and it's like all these David Hasselbach CDs for like for for a dollar you know so yeah, I'm thinking of like what happens to you when your NFT or your social coins are down to like 0. 0.02 two cents. Stare, yeah, you have to stare that in the face. But you have to stare that in the face. But yes, but you have. I sorry, just wanted to, to say like the coolest thing about that, or from what I'm hearing, like if and I'm not sure if this is correct, but this idea that that like at least right now an artist could potentially gain income from future sales right like future sales of those nfts where like how many times do we hear about like a, a a painting like a physical painting being for sale like for 30 million and the original artist sold it for like two dollars or you know like back in 
the thirties. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the sales that are happening now, there would be some residual that the artist would get on the resale. Yeah. So you sold it for X, but then someone else sells it for Y, but then you're you get ten percent of each subsequent transaction. Let's say so that's as it good. rises, and that's pretty good. That could that yeah. could add up to something. Um, but I wonder how like an artist would feel about maybe being treated like a stock market in some way. Because uh, well, we already that are. seems a little dirty <laughs> and or somehow not right. You know what? It's like everything about. I mean it's gross, right? Like everything about it is gross. Like if you think of it in that way, like everything about the whole marketability, like the size of my bra, the care that I have on my head, like the, I, you know, I've been told that, um, you know, we already have a black girl with short hair, you know, like how does that not feel gross, right? Mm. Like that by a label, like, you know, that they've already have a black person with short hair, so they don't want another one, right? Wow. Can you imagine them saying they don't want another blonde person, right? So there's so many levels of gross in the marketing of, of entertainment. And mm. I mean, you can look back on how it started, like, you know, like, burlesque and and just the whole idea of coming to see like this this artist i'm up there like i'm barely dressed you know what i mean like you know i've got the heels i've got the dress i'm singing sexually explicit or suggestive music you know like there's so many there's so much about it like there's mm -hmm. Uh, you know, whether you purchase, you're more likely to come see me or somebody that puts a little bit more skin out for um, display or not, you know, to see your record sales go up or interest in you go up based on like the, as your skirt goes up, like it's, it's a, there's so many levels of like discomfort that you can, you can like identify in the industry. You can like pretend they don't exist or, or embrace them or kind of, you know, to be totally like anti them, but then take the consequences of like what that means to be on the other side of it. So yeah, I think the moment I decided to stop singing in my shower and sing, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and sing like on stage and for other people and be paid for it, you'd sort of open the door to the monetization of like what was previously something that was just for fun and is now like for consumption, right? And you get, you get to make, there's lots of moments where you choose. For, for good and bad in each day, you're faced with decisions about, do I want to go down that road or not? And some are comfortable and some are not, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and you know, so many of these technologies, I guess, are about decentralization, you know, the NFTs and, um, and the social coins and disintermediation and putting a little bit more of the control of how things are done in the fans of in into the hands of artists. So another, you know, major technology that's come along in in recent years is social media in the ability yeah. giving the ability for you to uh do some more of your own marketing and um self-marketing and connecting with fans directly. So can you comment a little bit about how you've used social media to engage with fans? Yeah, sure. I have to say like, you know, I have been an early adopter for a lot of different um, social medias. I remember, you know, 
using Facebook for work like first. Um, and pretty early on, not like super, super early on, but like I, I'd have to look and see, but I don't know, at least 2000, I don't know, but pretty early on. <laughs> and, 2000 um, and early. <laughs> yeah, 2000 early, you know, but um, I always saw it as like early on, somebody asked me, or is that because I would be like, oh, my fan, a fan sent this or a friend did this. And somebody said to me, like, it was a, like a, a good, a good fan friend <laughs> said to me, what's the difference between a fan and a friend? And I was like, you know, at the time mm -hmm. I really couldn't, I couldn't really like pinpoint it. You know what I mean? And because like I take time like to talk to people and to get to know people pretty well. And um, social media gave me that ability to just do that. You know, like it's harder because there's so many people, but um, I, I got to know a lot of people so that it, I think that, you know, it just, it made, it made it so much easier to connect. But then it's a it's time consuming. You know what I mean? It became very time consuming. And so like I would be on for hours answering like every I remember like when I won the Juno, I answered every congratulations. <laughs> it took me <laughs> days, you know, to get through them all. And somebody was like, you don't have to do that. And I was like, yes, yes, I do. Because I was also that person who sent thank you notes for like all gifts and, you know, like and birthday cards to everybody and Christmas cards. So if you like if you take that and translate to that to like the social social media, like you that's a, its own job, mm -hmm. you know. And when I had a, my head injury, I had to stop looking at screens. And I remember being like, how am I going to exist without checking like and con like getting back to people on Twitter and, and Facebook and, and Instagram? Like, what am I going to do? And I mean, I didn't even have that many fans. Like, it's just like it's just that I they were close, mm -hmm. you know? And that engagement is is work. Like that engagement it's is work. time consuming. It really is time consuming. And I had to step back and like fully because I couldn't even look at screens. And I remember being like, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it was- Life it, goes on. Life yeah. goes on. And it was a very- it was humbling and interesting to see that life goes on, right? Like you, right? Because you. So we've heard that from some other artists. They feel like they're the social, they're the slave a bit to the social media, and that they feel like oh, they yeah. need to continue to engage on a daily basis, or yeah. somehow they lose relevance. Also, you're told that, right? So, like any any um, person that you go to that is telling you about, you know, like consulting you on social media usage will tell you, you know. You, you need to continue, you need to update regularly, you need to get back to people. And I mean, I could not release that. I had like, even when I went on, I would hire people, you know, or like the label had their people and they'll take over your account for you. And I was just like, no, like they know that it's me, right? Mm -hmm. So they're gonna know that this post did not come from me. 
So then I had this period where I'm like, okay, you need to send all posts to me to like be vetted. Oh yeah. <laughs> or like it needs to be clear You're that- your posts, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it needs to be clear that like, you know, I did not write this, right? Like I just, I felt like physically ill if people- because they're not, not they're not speaking in your voice and they're not using just, my voice yeah. or you know like I would never say that or whatever and honestly like the most humbling and best thing that ever happened to me was the brain injury that said no more off screen because when you realize that it's not people could still care about you you know what I mean but they don't care like if they don't hear from you today we'll be back in a moment after this brief commercial break Our episode today is brought to you by Boombox. Boombox is a mobile app where you compete in playlist competitions with your friends. In each round of the game, you and your friends submit a song that matches a theme, like best song to dance to or best song I've heard this year. You then vote on who had the best pick. You can play live on a Zoom call or at a party or play offline over the course of a week. The game is really fun to play and it automatically produces a new Spotify playlist each round. Use it to crowdsource tunes for your next party or just to discover fresh tracks with your friends. To find out more, visit boomboxsoftware.com or download the app from the Apple or Google stores. And we're back. You had a concussion that that forced you to take a time out from all this. And, and how long how long was that period? I'm still on it. Like, okay. I'm still on that timeout. Like, I barely post. I post the absolute minimum. I probably post now maybe once a month, you know, if I'm lucky. Like, and I've barely posted during the pandemic because I finally am free <laughs> from from social media. Like, it's it took me a long time to, to finally get off, you know, away from it. And I... It was a choice because I recognized that by choosing to be off social media in the way that I am, um, like it's very minimal. It's usually in in tribute to like a, a venue's like need to to promote something. So if you've taken the time to hire me to do something, and it's to me, it's my obligation to at least post about it once or twice to say that I'm going to be here and whatever. But what I was doing before, like living my life online, you know, to as privately as I could. So without including my family, but being like just showing people like bits and pieces to kind of work with the social media machine, you know, and create content. I don't do content anymore. You know, I just post what has been given to me to post about so that people know where to be. I don't want anybody to not know about something because I didn't take the opportunity to use those channels, but I love my life now without it. It's really nice. It's really nice. <laughs> awesome. you feel, it sounds like you feel a little liberated from it. I was like, I'm telling you it was ours, right? And then also like it, I, it is addictive. So like it's the constant scrolling, it's the constant checking, it's looking to see how other people are creating posts and like trying to create more content. And is this interesting? And what should I do? And I wasn't even like, I wasn't playing the game like people are playing the game right now. Like I'm not on TikTok. I'm not creating that level of content. I was just simply like just engaging, you know, with mm -hmm. people. But it just, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. And I, I just kind of made a choice. 
So Kelly Lee, we like to ask all of our guests if they have any recommendations on any new music, what you're listening to lately. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> you know what? Mm, I'm not listening to anything. No. I'm listening to books. Oh good. How do you how do you normally find new stuff? I listen to what my kids are listening to. <laughs> I have been hey, there. They all yeah, they own the they own the channel. Yeah. They've owned the channel since uh since they were born. Like I have not had musical taste since I had to start listening to Rafi. <laughs> had Seriously. to had to. Yeah, yeah. Like it was just like when we started when we needed to put on like, you know, baby beluga and start running that stuff like nonstop. Um, I just never got control back of the the radio dial or like the CD player. So, and even though like now I'm fully capable of listening to things, I listen to books. Excellent. So there are many places to find your work online. Where would you like to point our listeners to first? It's funny. I should be thinking like, who'll pay me more? <laughs> you know, like sure. which streaming service will pay me more? But I really don't even know. Like I, I, I think, you know, people... Can, obviously, you can find things on YouTube. You can find things on Spotify. Apple Music is is like you know like a legitimate place to find things as well. But um, if you are still like if you still have a CD player, like there's still those little you know shops out there. You know, like the the comp like the compact music's here in Ottawa, and those guys are still out there trying to to make a a life for themselves and they're still doing it and selling lots of vinyl and things like that. I was just down at Compact Music here in our city, Ottawa, um, for buying a, a Valentine's gift, uh, buying a, a vinyl, a vinyl disc. And um, those, pl those places are out there too, you know, and they can order CDs in too. And so, so yeah, I guess I would say you could do that. I'm, I'm a streamer, you know, like I'll just go to if I have to, I'll, I'll, I have my Apple music here and I'll just like get that run. And that's where I find my stuff really quick. That was my concept. Mm -hmm. I know you, right? you, you designed it. You designed it in the nineties. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. Well, yes. Kelly, Kelly Lee, thank you so much for being with us today. It was great talking to you. It was great. Thanks so much. Thanks yeah, for letting me like rip forever. <laughs> I love to talk. It was great. Take care everybody. You've been listening to Beat Seeker with your hosts, Matt McButter and Mike Wider. If you like what you've been hearing, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast. If you really like it and want more, you'll find bonus content and exclusives on our Patreon. Visit beatseeker.fm. That's B-E-A-T seeker.fm. And on social media at beatseekerpod. And giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts helps too. This program was recorded at the Devil Lake Studios and the Tunnel Under Arundel. The program is produced by Matt McButter, Mike Wider, and Kate McCartney. Thanks for tuning in, and keep seeking. <laughs>